Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. We rejoice and are glad in it, Lord. We pray, Father God, that your word would bless us this morning, that it would be anointed and it would be a lamp unto our feet. Your word, Father God, which is a good seed to be planted in good hearts and bring forth good fruit, Lord, a harvest that glorifies your name. Allow your word to be a double-edged sword and to cut deep into the dividing of the spirit and the soul, Lord. Allow your word, Father God, to be, um, Father God, a, a light unto our path, Lord. Let it not return void. Accomplish what you desire to do through your word this morning and allow us to grow up, Lord, understanding and seeing the things and judging all things spiritually, Lord. We pray that you would bless your people and that we would be increased in our uh, bringing pleasure to your heart, aiming to please you in all things. Father, bless your word and we thank you for it in advance for the work that it's going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen. Amen. So, um... As we continue to pursue the heart of God, um, and, and we, we're saying we're celebrating Pastor Appreciation Month, uh, we continue to get expressions of, of appreciation. Um, even last night, we went out to dinner with a couple. They said, you know, we're going to go out to have dinner to appreciate you, and we promise not to talk about anything that's going to bring and weigh down your heart. Um, the truth of the matter is that God has put us here, um, look what it says in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 1, that a pastor is appointed uh, for men. From among men, he's appointed for men in the things that pertain to God. Every, every person that's going to uh, take a place of a pastor, um, Yvette was saying, my wife was saying last night that I was 30 years old. And she was 25, and we had a one-year-old, a two-year-old, and a three-year-old when we started the church. That, if that's not a definition of being insane, nothing else is. You don't start a church with a one-year-old, a two-year-old, and a three-year-old, and you're starting a career, and you're starting a marriage, and you're starting a family. This had to be God 21 years ago. Um, as it began, it, it, it's... If you were to think about it, you wouldn't do it. It's, it's totally insane. So I didn't hold my hand up and say I'm running for elections. I, so I'm not a candidate to be voted in by popularity. But it was an appointment of God. And it had to do with the things that concerned God. Because I wasn't, um, we, we, were, we weren't doing anything in the natural. Um, this, this was a supernatural calling. It had to be spiritual. Um, I was a very young man starting out to be, uh, I was uh, just uh, starting out with my marriage, uh, starting out being a parent. So I didn't have much to offer a lot of people. In fact, uh, it was bizarre that God would pick us to serve him. But it, it had to do with God, and it had to do with offering up um, gifts and sacrifices uh, to help people come along. Verse 2 says a little bit more about pastors. They didn't pick this. They didn't call this. Um, he can have compassion. That's what a pastor does. Uh, usually when somebody sees somebody with problems, they, are, they like run the other way. Like, you got problems, get out of here. No, a pastor has a heart for people 
that are going through things, and he has a, a burden. That's, that's what birthed this ministry is our care for others. Uh, I had a phone call. I always say about this phone call. As soon as somebody found out that we were starting Spring of Life, somebody called and says, Are you crazy? And I was like, why? He goes, you don't need other people's problems. You have a wife. You have children. You just started a law firm. You already have things to take care of. Why do you want to care about other people's problems? Well, it happens to be the heart of God. God cares. So he appoints people and they care. And so this is the heart of the church. This is, this is who God has appointed over these matters. They can have compassion on the ignorant, on the people that are having difficulty understanding life, on those that are going astray. Since he himself is subject to weakness, since, since I know how man suffers and I know the difficulties of why Life really gets to a very difficult degree. God puts us up here. And we've always said the people that God picks as pastors are the worst of the bunch. All the pastors could help me say amen. Okay. Uh, because we are the ones that are most stricken with weakness, we could understand. So when somebody comes up to my office and says, could you believe what so-and-so did? I say, yeah, I did it too. That was me. And so we, we don't freak out at people. We're not in shock. God has had mercy on us. Paul says, me, the chief of sinners. I, I could have compassion. I could help those that are going astray because we are subject to weakness. But what I want to do this morning is um, there's a lot of people stuck uh, because they don't understand this life. And, and I would like to say that one of the reasons why uh, people are having difficulty is because they're trying to do in the natural what they should be doing in the spirit. And so a great number of people, we're going to see this today. Third um, John chapter 1, verse 3, one of the things that you can do to appreciate your pastor and bring us joy, because a lot of people during the month of appreciation, they're like, Pastor, let me take you out to dinner. I don't want to go to dinner. Pastor, I want to go to your house. I don't want you to come to my house. I don't want to go to your house. I want you to live a life in the spirit. See, that, that brings joy to my heart. And it says, I rejoice greatly when the brethren come and testify that you're living according to truth. The truth that's in you, just as you walk in the truth. So, sad, joy to my heart is not that you buy me a tie or a shirt or I get a present. And I hope that that's the same heart of the pastors in our church. Appreciation in our heart is that you be successful in your walk with Jesus. So if I saw you coming to prayer service on Thursday night, that would appreciate me because your spirit is growing. If I see you signing up to discipleship, that brings joy to my heart because I see you loving truth. But don't, don't ask me to, you know, people say, oh, I want to take you out to a great restaurant. Oh, restaurants are nice, but I want to see you champion Christ. I want to see you on fire for the Lord. Verse 4, he says like this, I rejoice greatly when I see you, but I have no greater joy than to hear that you walk in truth, that you're championing a life in the spirit. Because in the natural, we can, we can go out to dinner, and I've had people invite me to real nice restaurants and buy me very nice shirts, and then they leave, and they stop walking with Christ. So I feel, wait a second, if I'm your pastor and if I'm to be appreciated, you're the champion of life in the spirit. But you can't champion a life in the spirit if you're walking in the flesh. 
And if you're walking in the natural and you're trying to acclaim, and this is what a lot of people do, they try to live um, a, a reflection of the spirit. And this is why I want to share this verse because it happens to be my favorite verse uh, in Zechariah. Those of you guys that know, I have favorite verses, the entire Bible. But Zechariah 4, 6 that this, this is the single most powerful verse that I embraced when I first became a Christian, that it's not by power nor by might, but by your spirit. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. The answer of having a powerful life is not that you have a lot of money, that you buy a nice car, that you have a nice house, but that your spirit life would be the greatest reflection of your existence. Um, not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not power, not might, not your strength, not your ability, but the, the reality of your spirit. As we were watching a video yesterday of this, uh, this rapper, uh, songwriter, popular guy, Kanye West, as, as he was increasing in popularity, increasing in, in financial wealth and prosperity and known all of the world, his mind started leaving him. He started going crazy. And now he tells you that the power of a sound mind is more powerful than all the money he has. Because what good is it that you have everything in the natural and you can't enjoy it in the sound mind, in the peace of God? So now he says he wants to be strong in Christ. Well, somebody should have told him that as a child. He said he started his career when he was 14 years old, but that wasn't the forefront of his pursuit. And now at the end of his life, he's realizing he has nothing because he neglected Christ. So there the pastor appreciation today is I want you to live a life in the spirit and that I'm not impressed with anything that happens to you in the natural, especially when you are putting the spiritual things as second priority. You cannot tell me, Pastor, come to my house so I could appreciate you, but you don't come on Monday nights to become a spiritual man. You don't come on Wednesday night to become a spiritual woman. You don't come to prayer on Thursday night to be a spiritual person. So that, that is the, the heart of it. The day that I change these priorities, the, ch the day that it will be called Spring of Life Circus, not church. I, I will start a circus and we'll have a lot of clowns. We'll have a lot of people that don't understand God's priority. So here, I want to tell you that this was the actual confrontation that Christ had uh, throughout his ministry is the challenge between the natural and the spiritual. And when you're walking in the flesh, you don't understand the things of the spirit. If you're walking in the carnal mindset, you don't understand. I, I treat pastors so good and he treats me so bad. If there's that dichotomy, if there's like you were missing each other, pastor, I don't understand you. Yeah, because I want you to be spiritual and you want to win me over in the flesh. You want to be my friend. A lot of people have told me that over the years. But why can't we be friends? Because I don't hang out with clowns. There's nothing in us. We, we, we don't have anything in common. I'm seeking to please God and you're seeking to please the flesh. And that's a stench in the nostrils of God. We're going to get to that in a second. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say to you, walk in the spirit. What for? Why, why are we going to walk in the spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh? 
The church is not a place where we are comparing ourselves in the natural because what God, what the Bible, there's a verse that says what is pleasing to God is not valued by men and vice versa. What men values is not what God values. So our economy is different. And, and, and so we need to fix that a little bit. But if we walk in the spirit, we're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you're not sick and tired of the stench of the flesh's pursuit, you, you still don't understand life. That these things that we capture, that's why, that's, why the people, that's why the people don't enjoy this place. Your church is not fun. Church is not supposed to be fun. Well, your church doesn't have a good show. Well, we're not trying to entertain anybody. Well, if you guys had smoke coming out of the stage and you had some guys up here that, and they, yeah, and you had a great production, then your church, listen, that's not what God is letting into heaven. You might impress and have a better program than the Kardashians, but listen to me, you're, you're not going to walk in a manner that honors God. And this is, this is, again, this life in the spirit. I, I don't know how to do it more accurately to, than what I'm doing right now. Um, in verse 17, he says, For the sinful nature, walking in the flesh, for the flesh lust against the spirit. There's, there's not even an appetite where, where what the spirit desires is something that the flesh feels good in. In fact, the Bible says, crucify the flesh. Crucify the flesh. Somebody wants to tame the flesh. Somebody wants to uh, uh, reform the flesh. Uh, one guy was praying one morning. And he was like, Lord, I pray that you help my flesh um, be trained. And, and somebody was sitting right next to him and says, no, you crucify the flesh. You don't train it. You don't train the flesh. You crucify it. Because these are contrary to one another that you do the things um, that you do not do the things that you wish. Again, this makes me very unpopular all around the world. You're, you're not attractive. You're not fun. We can't hang out with you. No, you, you can't hang out with the Spirit of the Lord. It yearns with you for you jealously, and so you can't even understand these things. When, when it was confronted in the life of Jesus, we see in John chapter 3, I got to go very fast now. In John chapter 3, we have the whole chapter. You should read it down the road. There's a Pharisee called Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the members of the Sanhedrin. He was a, a Jew. He was a leader amongst God's people. He came to Jesus, verse 2. We're reading John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Verse 2 says, he came to Jesus at night. And he said, Rabbi, you have come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God was with them. Verse 3, Jesus answered him, I, Assuredly, I say to you, unless a person is born again, he cannot see or experience the kingdom of God. If you're coming in through the doors of the church and you have not been born again, nothing that we're doing here today is attractive to you. Some people said, well, pastor, if you told some jokes while you were preaching, I could come to your church. I'm not a comedian. I'm not here to tickle your fancy and you walk away saying that was a funny sermon. No, today God is saying if you walk in the spirit, you can celebrate pastor appreciation in this house. And if you're walking in the flesh, you, don't, you, you can't connect. You, can't, you miss God. You miss the pastor. You miss the leadership. We're trying to prepare you to be 
accountable. Show yourself approved before God. In this spiritual life. It's not a natural life. It's a spiritual life. So Dick and Nicodemus went back into the flesh. And he says, verse 4, how can a man be born again? Can I enter a second time into the womb and be born? And Jesus says, assuredly I say to you, verse 5, unless a man is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Verse 7, do not be amazed that I've told you you must be born again. For the wind blows, verse 8, where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it's coming from and where it's going. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. The Spirit is going to take you in a direction that you never even thought that you would be going. The flesh will take you into the direction of the desires of your Lust, your, your, your desires, your, your pleasure. So uh, 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 that's, that's New Testament. That's, that's a man missing God because he's, he's thinking in the flesh. And Christ is saying you got to get in the spirit if you're going to understand these things. And if you don't get into the spirit, you're going to totally mess, miss me. Um, if we go back to the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 16, I, I want to suggest that there they had left... 16, Exodus 16, 1. They had left Egypt for two months. They had left being slaves to Egypt, to Pharaoh, and they were going to the promised land. This is where we're headed um, into a spiritual expression of the providence of God. And two months into the trip, they start uh, complaining. Verse 2, the whole congregation of the Israelites grew discontent. And they begin to murmur, to complain, and rebel against Moses. Why would people that are headed to the promised land start complaining? Why would they start grumbling in the desert? Only two months into it. I don't know how long you've been into Christianity, but if you're not pursuing the life of God, you're going to be super upset. You're not going to understand. And look what they compare themselves. In verse 3, the Israelites said, would we have it? We would have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by, listen to how they describe their life in the world. We sat by pots of meat and we ate bread to, the, to be satisfied till we were full. But now you brought us out to a place and we're starving. So again, they in the natural were thinking about consumption of the pleasures of meat to the satisfying. And now... Nothing's going on. And they start saying, why did you bring us out here? And verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will cause bread to rain from heaven. For the people shall go out and uh, gather a day's portion, even every day. So I may test them to determine uh, whether or not they will walk in my instruction. Okay, um, there are people that are still not prepared to walk in God's purpose. They come to the church, they receive Jesus Christ, but now they say, okay, I already have salvation. Now let me go to the world and try to gain some significance and prosperity. Look, you're out of gas. You were created to fill the earth with God's glory. You were created to get on God's game plan. God's game plan has nothing to do with your game plan. The Bible says, as high as the heavens are from the earth, so my thoughts are different from yours. If we're not living a life in the spirit, we're thinking in the flesh. So you come here, you become a Christian, you carry a Bible, you listen to a sermon, and you live six days of the week out there trying to do what out there wants to do, only to realize you miss God again. 
I don't want you to miss God. I want you to shine for his glory. And the only way we shine for his glory is God is first in our affairs. I can't stand people who say, I don't have time to seek the Lord. Can't stand that. It's a bitter pill to me because there's only one reason you're upon the earth is to do God's bidding. To live for his glory. If, if, if You would have to be a person like my father who came to the age of 49 to realize he had lost 49 years of his life. Even though he's a brain surgeon. Even though he's a medical doctor. Even though he had the highest expression and pursuit of the glory of this world and prosperity. Now he's 84 and he says, I wish I was 25 again. I would do it all over. What would he do all over? He would seek God with all his strength, all his might, all his priority. He missed God for 40 years. Why are you going to miss God for 40 years? Why not walk in the spirit so you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, so you're not attracted by the things of this world? We ate meat to our fill. The Bible says he, sat them, he sent them something called manna, but they refused the manna, the God's heaven's provision, and they said, we want meat. We want you, we want a barbecue. We don't want honey wafers. We don't want that thing that that feeds us every day that God wants to feed us by. And, and look what it says. Uh, there's a Psalm 106, verse, uh, Psalm 106, verse 14. Because they lusted after the meat, they lusted exceedingly in the desert when God tested them. Verse uh, 15, he gave them their request. Do you want God to give you what you want? You know what's going to be the direct scenario? Leanness to your soul. You're going to miss God. You're going to get what you're after, but you're going to miss God's game plan. And again, um, I, I would hate to be called to be a pastor to shepherd God's people in the spirit and end up with a lot of people that are walking in the flesh. Listen to me. The greatest churches, uh, we, we just went to California. I've got to hurry up here. Uh, we went to California and Silicon Valley, you guys know Silicon Valley is where all the software companies are multi-billionaire companies that go to church and gave their pastor whew, millions of dollars. So their church structures, imagine a $5 million building, so this is it, elevators, rooms with projectors, seats, state of the art, air conditioning, all the stuff. We, we walk through these things. You know what? They're empty. There's no spiritual people there because they thought that, that wealth and money caused there to be an abundance of prosperity. No, when God is missing, there's no prosperity, even if you have the whole world. If you lived in a mansion that cost you $20 million and the presence of God was not there, you're a miserable fool. You've missed God. So we don't understand that because we come to God and then we think, okay, I'm going to go in the flesh. No, don't do anything. Crucify the flesh. Any fleshly thought, it has a stench in the nostrils. The Bible says he sent leanness to their soul because they requested meat in the desert. In verse 15, uh, the way that I have it translated here, he says he gave them their request and sent wasting disease amongst them. What, what, is, what is, if you get when you finally get, what comes with it? And in the desert, he sent them manna that were honey wafers. And they fell every morning. But they wanted quails. So he says, you want quails? <laughs> I love this verse. He says, I'm going to send you quails till it comes through your noses. Uh, Numbers chapter 11, verse 2. 
the chusma, the rabble, the people that weren't seeking God, that were amongst the people of God, they began to pressure the people of God. They cried out uh, to Moses and prayed to the Lord. Um, are we reading Numbers? Chapter 11? Okay. Look what it says, verse 4. So the mixed multitude, there's people in here that aren't seeking God. They're seeking other things. Were among them, yielded intense cravings. So the children of Israel began to weep. Who will give us meat to eat? Verse 5, remember the fish we ate in Egypt? The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions. They were thinking of all the natural things that they got in the world. They missed God. Uh, Verse 8 says, uh, no, I'm sorry, verse 6. Now our appetite is gone. There is nothing at all to... There's nothing out here except the food God gives, this manna. The word manna means what is this? What what is God trying to do? And so they gathered it. uh, Verse 7, the manna was like coriander seed, and it looked like bedlium. There were honey wafers that were falling on the desert that would feed them. And they, verse uh, 8, they would bake it, they would boil it, they would make cakes. They had manna in the morning, manna in the afternoon, manna at, at nighttime. When the dew fell on the camp, the manna fell with it, verse 9. And then all of a sudden, God says, I'm going to send you guys meat. You want quails? I'll send you quails. And we're going to read verse 19. You shall eat not one day, not two days, not five days, not 10 days, not 20 days, but the whole month until what you're after comes out of your nostrils and disgusts you. You're, if, if what you want is something in the flesh, I'll give you something in the flesh. Uh, and it says, because you have rejected and despised the Lord who is among you and wept before him saying, why did we come out of Egypt? If, if you don't understand why God called you out of the world, then you're going to continue to say, God, why don't I have the things of the world? Why don't I have the things of the world? Uh, I've seen many of the people that are in the world try to pursue a lawyer friend of mine. His name was Alvin Goodman. I preached to him for 10 years, and he would not even budge to come towards the Lord. He went to the doctor. The doctor diagnosed him with pancreatic cancer. He went to his law office. He shot himself in the head. He shot himself in the head in front of all my friends that were there at the law firm because the ways of this world has no promise it has no provision, it has no peace. When you miss God, you think that what you're going after is going to supplement what God is not giving you. You're a fool. It was there in, that was Exodus 16 with the manna and the meat. But if you go to Exodus 32, you have another scene. And the scene is that Moses goes up to the mountain to talk with God. And because he took too long, look, let's read it real quick. Exodus 32 Verse 1, when the people saw that Moses was taking too long to come down from the mountain, they gathered together before Aaron and said, come, let us make our own God. This man, Moses, that brought us out of Egypt, he did not know what has become of him. We don't know what's going on with this spiritual leader. He's up there talking with God. We're down here waiting for him. So Aaron replied, take off the gold rings from your ears. Verse 2, bring all the gold that's in your wives, your sons, your daughters, bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he took the gold from their hands and fashioned it into a 
graving image and made it into a molten calf. And they said, this is your God. So you grab all your talents, all your efforts, all your energies, and you begin to sculpt and you say, look, this is what, this is our God. This is our prosperity. This is our blessing. They started dancing. They started celebrating. And Moses started hearing this stuff. And he went down to the camp only to find out that the people, where did they pull this rabbit out of whose hat? What were they worshiping? What were they pursuing? I, I want to say that they weren't in the spirit. They, they didn't know what the heck they were doing. They're sitting there dancing in front of this molten calf that he created. This is your God. This is the one who brought you out of hard times. And Aaron saw the molten calf. He built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation. And so they're, they're dancing in front of this thing they created. I want to know who your children are going to dance before. It's not going to be the Lord. It's not going to be God. They're going to miss the God of salvation. They're going to miss the peace of God. They're going, they're going to be in the flesh, pursuing the things that have no promise. They have eyes but don't see, ears but don't hear, hands but don't touch, feet but don't walk. So we create these things in the flesh. Um, I have no appetite for the things of the flesh. They don't impress me. They don't call out to me. I know they can't deliver what I need. But if I seek God in spirit and in truth, if I'm in the house of God and he knows, and this is what Billy Graham says, show me your wallet. Because where your wallet goes, your money, that's your God. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where do you spend your time? Tell me. You spend 80 hours at work, that's your God. You don't have time for God? That's not your God. Has God ever wanted your seconds? Anybody want to answer that one? Does he want your leftovers? Does he want your blind and your stricken and your lame that you come before an offering and say, I have to give you half of it because the other half is somewhere else? My true investment? My friend, I want to tell you something. If somebody were to begin to investigate my life and begin to see where I spend my time, and my priorities and my interests, they'll know who my God is. They'll know who my God is. It was years ago that my accountant says, listen, the IRS is not going to believe that you give so much money to church. I said, I don't care because it's the truth. I don't care what the IRS says. The books read what my reality is. They will know where my God is because all they have to do is, there's a saying in the world, follow the money. Follow the money and you'll see where the God is. You'll see where the priority is. You'll see where the treasure is. And the truth of the matter is when they sat there and then lifted up this golden calf, it says here in Exodus 32, verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, I've seen these people. They are stubborn. They are rebellious. Verse, what verse was that? Nine. Now verse 10, now therefore let me go alone and do not interfere so my, ang my anger could burn against them that I might destroy them and I will make you a new nation. Obviously Moses intercedes and says no. Verse 17, when Joshua heard the noise, he was coming with Moses, he heard the camp. They uh, shouted, they were celebrating and he says, that's the sound of a battle cry. But Moses says, no, it's not the sound of a battle cry. It's not a victory, nor is it the sound of a cry of defeat, but I hear the sound of singing. That's verse 19, verse 18. 
as verse 19, as soon as he approached the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses burned with anger and threw the tablets that were in his hands and smashed them. And Moses took the calf they had made and burned it in the fire. Then Moses turned to Aaron, verse 21. He says, what did this people what did this people do to you that you have brought such great sin upon them? And Aaron says, do not let the anger of the Lord burn. You know the people yourself. They are prone to evil. So I, I want to say this also. If we were allowing you to lead by example, where would this church be? If you were the measure of the example of this church, how, how would this church turn out? Would this be a spiritual church? Would the people be on fire for God, appreciating the things of God? Or was this to turn into a crazy house? Would we be being led in a direction that is not according to God's pleasure? Because that's, after all, that what we're here for is to please God, to be able to understand God, to live not in a confused mindset, but in his mindset. And so Moses is telling Aaron, what were you thinking? He goes, listen, all I did was let the people do what they wanted. You know them to be stubborn. You know them to pull in a direction. You know them to not want to do God's will. I, I don't want to be that type of a leader. I don't want to be led by the desires of the flesh of the people that are here. I'd rather you go and serve your God. I see you missing. I see you not participating. I see you not honoring God. Get the heck out of here. Leave. Go do your fancy somewhere else. Uh, I did that to a family here, uh, five children in their family, and the mom and dad were messing around. I said, you guys cannot come back to church. And they're like, why? I go, because your five kids are going to think that I'm your pastor, and I'm not. I'm not your pastor. You're not living the way that God wants you to live. So they left for a year, and, and then they would come back, and um, their kids are on fire for the Lord. Because they say, we're not playing games. This is not a church to sit there and pet peeve people doing the does, things that don't honor God. Go and serve your God. That's what uh, happened to Joshua. He says, if the gods of your fathers are the ones you want to serve, go and serve them. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. We're going to do things that bring pleasure to the heart of God. And so you guys have seen our lives and you've seen our devotion. You've seen our priorities. My, my two kids are in law school right now. They have never brought an excuse. They don't have time for God. Both of them in law school, they continue. I thought they were going to say, Dad, we need to go and finish law school. Then we'll come back and serve the Lord. Joshua and Nick have not done that. Amen. Brandon has not done that. They said, we're going to serve our God first. And God continues to bless them and prosper them and give them peace and joy. And so we praise God for that. Let's stand today. Um, I thank God, that, and, and this is pastor appreciation. I put life in the spirit. If you guys want to appreciate the pastors in this house, you, you better crucify the flesh. You better prioritize the things of the spirit. Um, I want to suggest that, that a lot of times we think that we're helping God. Well, if I go out and make millions of dollars, then I could prosper the work of God. No, you fool. You couldn't do anything. You could not do any. You couldn't even stand up in the morning to breathe if God didn't extend oxygen in your direction, if you didn't have lungs. So in that regards, we have Nicodemus missing God. We have, um, we have the, the manna people 
asking for me, missing God. And then lastly, we have the people here uh, before Aaron, the leader, and they lift up a golden calf and they begin to celebrate. They begin to dance. They begin to divert and disparage the purity of their worship into things that are natural, things that, that, that have a physical, tangible expression but totally miss God's priority. I, I don't want to miss God. I, I think that the things that God has for us, it, it's not even based on a lot of people says, man, Joaquin, if you stopped preaching like that, you'd have the biggest church in Miami. I know I would. It would be called the Miami's biggest circus. We're not into circus. We're into making men of God, women of God, families of God, people that please God, people that walk in the spirit. So, I hope I didn't put a damper on my Pastor Appreciation Month, but I know that I'm going to be honored by God, and I know God continues to lift us up and to establish his purpose in us. Raise your hand to the heavens so that we could present ourselves before God. Father, thank you for the life in the Spirit. Thank you for the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus that brings peace, that brings prosperity, that brings joy, that brings lasting fulfillment and significance, that allows our wives to honor us, that allows our children to walk in the fear of God, that allow the church to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Father, we don't want to impress the world with the physical expressions. We want to impress you with the spiritual offerings of a fragrance and an aroma that comes up before your throne, not a stench in your nostrils, not righteous works. Father God, but that we might live the life in Christ Jesus that's pleasing, that you hold of great value and esteem and worth. We pray that as we express Pastor Appreciation Month, it's a devotion to God that is supernaturally excellent. We're in the pursuit of those things which please God. And we know that when we please God, men are not impressed. Men do not gauge us as wealthy or profitable or successful, but Father, in you, we are more than overcomers. In the day of an adversity, Lord, you will hear our heart cry. You will hear our prayers. You will give us peace. You will give us joy. The peace and the joy this world cannot give and does not have. So have mercy upon us. Forgive us our sins. Wash us with the blood of Jesus and allow us to present ourselves living sacrifice acceptable to you. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another on the way out. God bless you.